I'm Valentin Hack, uh, experience designer at BCG Digital Ventures, and you're watching A Student's Perspective. Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to A Student's Perspective, the weekly series that connects students with designers, manufacturers, educators, industry professionals, and design media celebrities to hear their stories on just how they've gotten to where they are now. Through our conversations, we connect the past, present, and future of design to show just how much we can learn from each other to grow towards our fullest potential without prescribed limitations. Think of a student's perspective as a weekly design lecture series from the student's point of view. A Student's Perspective is a division of the nonprofit University Hall of Innovation, whose goals are to connect students with the design industry through design challenges and mentorship and a collaboration with the Marywood University Interior Architecture Program in Scranton, Pennsylvania. All interviews can be found in their video format at www.astudentsperspective.tv. For more information or sponsorship inquiries, please contact University Hall of Innovation at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Paige Bechtel, and this is A Student's Perspective. Today I'm speaking with Valentin Hack, experienced designer at BCG Digital Ventures. And I'm really excited about this conversation to get started today. It's a different outlet for what we're used to outside of the interior architecture realm, but still getting into some of the design aspects we're so used to talking about and discussing. So if you like this conversation, please like, share, and comment. And thank you, Valentin, for being here with us today. It's exciting to see that someone has, you know, been aware of our podcast too, even before um, we were able to reach out to you. And so some of the interactions that we were able to have to make these connections is super exciting. We love connecting with people, not only outside of our major. So I'm within the interior architecture program at Marywood University in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which seems like this middle of town nowhere uh, in the United States. But my fellow faculty also went to SCAD. And so I think those connections are just so great to continue to achieve. But I'd like to start by just asking a little bit about your background in school. So SCAD, how did you first come to even venturing back there? Because you're obviously out of, out of the States now. So how did that even begin and where did that start? Yeah, um, it's a great question. And um, I want to start a bit um, yeah, in the past when I went to a high school. Um, my life was basically um, balanced between obviously some friends and family, but also a lot of sports, um, sports and art and design. So that was my passion. And um, I knew that I wanted to continue playing those sports um, while studying um, post um, high school. Um, so I decided to look uh, into schools uh, to the US because uh, they offer great programs combining with um, athletics. Um, so that was like the main reason. And in high school, I um, had high level classes um, around art and design, but um, to be honest, it didn't offer everything you can imagine. And uh, in the past I was aware of, you know, architecture, graphic design, um, advertising, because my dad is doing that um, job. Um, so all those kind of creative fields, but um, after I yeah, submitted my application and everything worked out with SCAD, and I've actually um, flew over after I graduated from high school, uh, I actually 
limits of what is out there and how much you can actually do in the design field. Um, so it was quite mind blowing. Um, I actually saw that there's much more than just graphic design um, or, you know, in Germany, I'm from Germany. So, you know, automotive design is big there, um, which I didn't feel very passionate about initially, but then, you know, going into SCART, I met a lot of people. Um, luckily, being part of a sports team helped me to connect, connect with other people um, very quickly. And um, yeah, it was just being great to be around like-minded people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you start with, actually, what was your major when you were studying at SCAD? And I know you said you realized that there was so much more to design right. than even just the typical graphic design. And we learn more by looking at some of the coursework and the faculty that you'll meet and their different backgrounds that allow you to see just how broad it is. What was it that actually kind of looped you in and what were some of the classes like? Yeah. Um, so I remember when I got the catalog from SCAD um, posted home in Germany and I saw all of those majors and minors and I had literally no idea what they were. Um, it's like so many different things and, um, you know, I looked at service design, I looked at industrial design, but also looked at the graphic design because I've done some internships before at some agencies where I was helping out, doing some work in Photoshop, Illustrator, uh, helping with some of the campaigns. So that was fun, but it was also something that I didn't want to continue. So when I joined SCAD, um, I still had graphic design in my mind, but more on a, um, like artsy side, like I, I wanted to do something more like specific uh, rather than client work in an agency. So that was my mind. But then, um, yeah, my friends and, and, and teammates actually introduced me to some other men, uh, majors, um, including industrial design. And industrial design is uh, a big major. A lot of students actually come to um, do industrial design at SCAD. And it's very broad and you can go from that specific major to a lot of different kind of uh, industries, um, which sounded really good to me. And I got into those uh, classes and the first year is very general. So I said, okay, I'm gonna, you know, sign up for uh, industrial design. That sounds good to me. Um, but later on, um, I felt like, it might be not something I want to continue throughout my career. Um, I was quite fascinated um, into technology, into the digital experience, but also um, in general, the experiences of services or how a human is experiencing any kind of things, right? Like there's only always emotions attached. There's always um, something that we can design along the way that influences um, this, this experience, right? Mm -hmm. So um, service design was then something that came across and it was a quite a small major, but it was great. It was the, I think the only undergrad that was offered at the time um, in the US um, as service design. So I'm yeah, quite lucky that um, we had that opportunity and so I started um, taking service design classes and I got, yeah, really excited about it, thinking through what every, like what kind of components of that makes service design. So there obviously um, 
so if you think about service design, um, we we think about certain touch points a um, user is going through. Um, so rather than designing an experience, you design those touch points and artifacts, right? So um, an example would be a supermarket. Uh, you start thinking about how does the user get to the supermarkets? What do they need to get to the supermarkets? Uh, how do they hear about the supermarket? And then when that main part is of that experience, which is this shopping experience, you start thinking about, okay, what is the first thing a user would want to buy? Or how do we um, architect the supermarket in a way that it makes sense for the user to go through? Um, and then you start thinking about how we place products, um, how how we um, do the cashier. Like, is it a human-to-human -human experience? Is it um, a self-checkout? So they, they're all those touch points the users experiencing throughout um, their journey. Mm -hmm. And that is something that fascinates me uh, the most. There's a lot of things you can start thinking about talking to people, but also collaborating with other designers and um, other people from different industries. That's incredible. And we know how acclimated SCAD is too, and the fact that they offer so many different outlets, it puts you in an environment full of creatives too. And that's what it sounds like, your experiences working side by side with so many different variations of majors and people. And I think another great thing about this podcast too is that we love to exploit the things that people aren't aware of yet. And sometimes it's your career path, sometimes it's what happens later down the line. But even like you just said, stumbling across your major, service design is I don't think that's on anyone's radar when they're going through high school. Like that's what I want to be doing necessarily, but it's something you grow passionate about and you grow to learn and love. And it integrates kind of everything that you've already fallen in love with. Like you've said, exactly. design, talking about the user user and social interaction. And it now seems so relevant to me because I honestly had never heard of service design also prior to this conversation. And experience yeah. design is something we talk about so closely in architecture, interior architecture. How can we provide for the user in a way that's experiential? But it's always like a, a it's part of the process, but we don't explicitly talk about it as much as we, as we should, I think. It's about the narration, but we don't ever say why we're designing these key points. And when you start to say that, I forget the word that you just said, touch points. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of tactilely demonstrating um, each step in a part of that journey. So I just find that fascinating that you've reached to some of those conclusions yeah so and you, I, yeah and you find it in different um fields of design as you as you mentioned in architecture interior design um and there's so many yeah overlaps which is super exciting in my opinion yeah absolutely and that's where i always i was just as confused coming into the career and field of college is interior architecture going to be what defines everything that i like to do but it's offered me similar extensions like photography graphic design and working with similar components but i'm curious now just because you have been in the work field for several years what's it like working side by side with those different types of people so is bcg a place where you're constantly working with people of different interests and expertise yeah, um, that's pretty much um, exactly it. Um, so when I joined um, BCG Digital Ventures, so um, we have just to do a clarification, there's BCG, the consultancy, and then there's BCG Digital Ventures, um, which is basically its own entity, um, but have a partnership with BCG. And this company is basically building startups. That's basically it. So it's very exciting, very fast paced environment. 
And as you mentioned, a lot of different uh, expertise coming into one room, which creates basically this um, startup team. So um, me coming in there as an experienced designer, um, I, yeah, obviously was what not working a, well, I was working with different people in the beginning, but mostly just in, with a design background. So when I joined them, um, I was suddenly working with um, people who were building business models, who were looking at the marketing side of things, who are thinking about the growth of the startup. Um, but also, obviously, the people I then started to work with closely, the product managers and the engineers who are helping to bring um, this product um, or service to life. Um, so, yeah, it's been an amazing journey because I've learned so much in a just a very short amount of time. Um, so that was really exciting. And in that venture room, so we call them ventures um, because we usually partner up with some corporations um, to build out those startups. Um, I, yeah, um, as a designer, you also have the opportunity to educate um, design in that venture room because some of those more business oriented people they do not understand sometimes the certain methodologies or um, perspectives we as designers have because we take obviously the role as the, the user like we want to um yeah represent the, the user in, in that room and for us it's really important to make sure that the product works that the user there's, there's product market fits that the user is actually you know, enjoying and um, yeah, using our service. And, you know, that's obviously important for our business people as well, but they're, they're more focused about, you know, does it make money? Um, how can we, um, yeah, grow the business and how can we make it um, sustainable? Um, so that is really exciting working closely with that part, which I haven't experienced in SCAD that much. Um, so as a designer, you start then thinking of not only about you know all those amazing things you can do in terms of technology, but you also have to start balancing it out with what is feasible, how can that possibly make money while still, um, yeah, being a, a useful product or service. Yeah, it's always a double-edged sword working with yeah. people in business. But I just like you said, being able to learn and understand that process it makes it so much easier and to understand how feasible things can be and just what's actually qualifying um, within the industry and what can work and what can be productive and what's really gonna make your business excel um, when it comes down to it. We try to like shove to the side money in some of the conversations of design school. And I think at least for the first few years too, you try to neglect it and square footage and things like that. Things you wanna forget just to let your design and creativity ebb and flow in the ways that it should, but it's always going to be a part of the process and we're growing into that um, as we grow and get into the field and the design industry. And that's that's exactly how it was at SCAD for me as well. Like it was quite great because you didn't have any obligations. You just were trying to design something that is uh, amazing, that obviously um, meets the user needs, um, but there were no rules or anything. So that was really exciting. Um, and but with the service design, however, we we've got that lens of business strategy growth as well. Um, so that was really helpful when I actually then joined um, Digital Ventures as a as a experience designer. Yeah, 
Um, so I even see a quote on BCG's website about industry changing businesses, because obviously you work with people who are making an impact on a larger scale, and it's not going to be something that's either narrow-minded or it, it's so impactful and useful. And so what does that even begin to describe kind of your goals and mission when you're working for businesses with such strength and power? Right. Um, so usually how it works is um, we work together with big corporate clients. Usually they are in certain industries, um, possibly dominating that industry, but also want to reach out into different kind of sectors or um, thinking about expanding uh, one arm of their business into a different industry. Um, so that's a case where they would come to us and they would want to possibly build um, yeah, something out on their own, but they need the help for it because you know big corporations are different managed than small startups. They, they don't know how to actually get this started, how to um, get a product on market and um, grow a business uh, very quickly. Um, so this is how like the relationship is between our company and our corporate partners. Um, so oftentimes we, what happens is, you know, so sometimes they have an idea in what area they want to go. Um, sometimes we, um, they don't have any ideas and we come back to them with some proposals um, saying, okay, here are some con concepts. Um, we, we think that could be an opportunity for you to look into and um, possibly start something great. Um, and thinking about the process of what we're going through when we work with those corporations is, um, yeah, usually we would divide it in three different phases. The first one is uh, like an innovation um, slash validation. So this is around usually I'd say um, eight to 10 weeks or 12 weeks sometimes. Uh, this is really, really focused on this initial phase of research, discovery, finding out um, where there are opportunity spaces, talking to a lot of people in those industries, um, gathering information and also coming up with ideas. Um, so at this point, it's just really, um, yeah, very like broad-minded. You, you don't exclude anything. You just write down your ideas. And then over time, you're trying to validate those, right? So you start to um, put a couple lenses on top of it. Is it feasible, viable, etc.? cetera? Um, and is that something that our corporate client would be interested in? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was very just interested in the design process, like the way that you discuss it, because it's kind of similar, but there's so many different variations, like whereas our design process in terms of like concept schematic design and then completion design, like getting to that construction phase for us is almost similar to like reaching those final presentations. Yeah, exactly. So thinking about more, so this first phase as the beginning of this design process. So you, you start um, first, you know, ideating about this, um, gathering those ideas, and then you start concepting that, right? You right. you start making some of the designs, visualizing some of this, um, possibly mapping out and journey maps um, to kind of visualize and how that could work. And then in the end of that phase, imagine like a shark tank kind of style. So we we bring out uh, bring in our corporate partner, and uh, oftentimes we pitch them 
um, two to four um, concepts. Sometimes we also have collaboration sessions with them together to kind of define those. Um, but we really then at this point have like a prototype, so a digital prototype of what that product could look like or the service. Um, we have an understanding of the business model and like what the roadmap could look like. Um, so kind of pitching those back to the to the corporate partner and then getting their feedback in terms of, okay, do we want to go forward with some of those? Um, do they make sense for us? Um, and then there's a decision made. And then depending on how that decision is made, we'll go to the next phase, which is then actually building it for real, um, which is very exciting as well. And then, um, yeah, and then it starts basically not from totally from the beginning, but you have that one concept and you start looking at um, research again. You're doing ethnographic research um, just to inform um, that yeah, service even more. And you want to uh, identify some of the problem areas, opportunity areas, and um, start building very quickly a working prototype or like a working product. Because uh, all what we want to do is we want to get this out very fast to gather insights from our users, right? So we can learn very quickly. Um, so that is like one of the most important things in the beginning of that second phase. So oftentimes, design as from a process perspective, it's hard because you have to um, sometimes yeah neglect some of the things you actually want to implement. Um, but at this point, it's more functional rather than uh, fleshing out the full design of that product. Um, about some of the changes, like, and talk about the product design or even getting to that phase of things. And now with COVID, I think this is so relevant for you guys. How has it changed the way that you design for users? Because I imagine, and I think just from seeing portfolio work, et cetera, like how interface friendly things have become in terms of graphics and now offering things in your fingertips, like maybe on a social media platform versus all these tactile things that we were once used to. How has that kind of adjustment been? Um, so I think we or our corporate partners or our, yeah, they actually identified that, you know, a lot of things are moving now digital and um, a lot of things can be done remote. Um, so I think a lot of them, yeah, have seen that as an opportunity, which, um, you know, we can help with. Um, I guess what, what changed for us is we had to move from talking to our users in person or seeing how they use the app or the website or the service uh, in real life to remote. So that was quite a big change for us designers because, you know, we like going out there, talking to people, seeing how they use certain things and um, all the stuff. So that was like one of the biggest changes, I would say. But there are still tools out there um, which allows us to work with them uh, remotely and mm -hmm. so far has been working out uh, well. Yeah. And so going back to even some of the, I want, I'm curious, curious in the process of the programs you utilize too. And I know what you do explicitly, maybe might be a range of things, whether it not always be heads down to a computer, but what are some of the things that you interact with on a daily basis? Right. Um, a lot of post-it notes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so especially in the beginning, um, but even throughout, like designers uh, at our company like post-it notes. So 
we have um, we have uh, in our office actually a lot of walls where we can um, use to ideate, post it, stuff on it, um, and yeah, uh, a lot of like affinity mapping, like writing out our ideas, clustering those um, to yeah come up with new features or um, yeah just just writing down um, our ideas and um, otherwise in terms of softwares um, so yeah there's Miro which we use to collaborate um, so it's like a platform that lets us it's basically like a digital version of Post-it notes um, okay, yeah. yeah and then um, in terms of design software for our products we um, use Figma uh, so I'm using that on a daily basis. It's basically a program like Sketch, um, which lets you um, yeah, design the screens and um, map out uh, user journeys, etc. And it's fun, but also um, well, no, it is really fun because you work, you collaborate. It's like it's like Google Google Docs, but uh, a design um, software, so you can see what other people are designing. Oftentimes, people are getting a bit anxious about it because <laughs> like showing your stuff sometimes when it's not yeah. done or you know it's always a bit weird if someone looking over your shoulder and sees what you're doing at the moment um but yeah we got used to it and and you can kind of work out your own spaces and that's fine that has been a big change with covid too so our presentations even shifted from and we're used to pinning up and printing and plotting paper that are 36 by 48 56 but now we've shifted to online murals. So we do like a mural platform in which we're pinning up technically on this like software in which everyone's presentations are up. And now it's a similar thing. There's anxieties over people like, oh no, you can see my work 12 hours too early. And it's, it's like extended some more honesty and truth too, which I think is really nice. It's like pushing collaboration, I think a little bit further than it ever used to, but it's just- I agree, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, and no, I agree. I um, we have a a big feedback culture, and I think it's just helpful um, for all of us. Especially, I think in the design world, especially, it's always difficult because you know there are some people. It's hard to take feedback or give feedback because um, everyone is quite protective of what what they're making, uh, which makes sense. Like we we put a lot of effort in it. We love what we're doing. So oftentimes, it's just. Um, really difficult but um yeah through that remote working i think it actually um yeah maybe even helped yeah and so you, you started the conversation with talking about the post notes and like even narrative mapping or just brainstorming and thinking tactically so actually in a conversation with people or things you can visually see is that what your office culture is kind of like and are you still back in the office now even with some of these COVID changes um so we just uh, open up for the first time after a long time um, here in London. So um, it's only a you know um, minimal capacity, uh, but I was actually able to go back in. Uh, it's really quiet, but I just needed a change of scenery. Um, and it's quite like think about our office as um, a beehive almost. Like it's like an office where a lot of startups are popping up, right? So our teams work together for a long time. So up to, if you, if you think about those three phases, uh, all of that together could go up to a year. Um, so we have our own spaces, our adventure rooms and breakout rooms. So it's basically our 
team environment, which is amazing because we can start, you know, putting our own things on the walls. We can have our own desk or, I mean, there's no desk policy, but it's really a really nice environment and we create our own culture and it really feels like a startup team. Um, so that's the most fun uh, part of it. And it's really sad sometimes if you come towards an end of this project and, um, yeah, you might get on another one uh, with different people, which is also exciting, but it's just like leaving or letting your baby go mm -hmm. to the real world, yeah. That's the same way we talk about it. Your baby, your project's always your baby after you yeah. work on it. Yeah. Tirelessly, sleepless nights, things like that. Um, and so, you know, you, BCG, they've spread kind of worldwide, um, country to country too. What are, you, what are your plans like, or maybe not necessarily your plans, but what has it been like traveling and now you are in London now? Yeah. Yeah. And so leaving either Germany or do you have plans to ever come to the States again? Or what has that been like to change your design experience? Like, do you ever consider the possibilities of working elsewhere or what that design environment would be like with different creatives? Yeah. So um, that was like a big decision for me, especially after college. Um, you know, I was in the States and I really enjoyed it. And I definitely wanted to take that opportunity to explore how it is to work in, in the US because I've done a couple of internships in Germany. Um, so I, I wanted to take the opportunity to work um, yeah, in the States. So lucky enough, uh, I worked out uh, in Los Angeles um, where I started. And uh, unfortunately, after a bit over a year, I had to um, yeah, move to London. Uh, it's not unfortunate, but um, unfortunate because I didn't get money. <laughs> um, so it was like, um, but yeah, they were very flexible around um, where I could go to. So usually they try to accommodate your preferences. So um, we have in the Sydney office, uh, in a Berlin office, a London office, um, now even in Singapore. Um, so like, there were obviously some thoughts as well going to Sydney, for example, <laughs> also very far away. Um, so yeah, in terms of design, I, yeah, I mean, it's in LA at least, there were basically designers from two or three different schools out of the States. Um, so it's quite interesting to see what they have been learning and also what kind of methodologies they are bringing into the company. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and the same with um, London, but I, I would say London is even more diverse. So a lot of designers come from different backgrounds. Um, there are some architects or some come um, from more, you know, a fashion background. Um, and um, that's really fun as well. So um, it's really great to have the opportunity to work in, in two different locations. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So we offer a study abroad program at our school too. We kind of think it's the most profound way to experience anything by working with other individuals. And we go to Florence, that's where we're normally based for four months throughout our college. And it's just, you meet so many different people and that allowance just makes us want to go further. It's like, then we just want to push outside of the States, but it's always nice to come across people from different backgrounds. So it's just nice to hear how that's ex changed and kind of developed your career as well. Yeah. Now you even considered staying in the United States for a little bit longer too. Yeah, uh, exactly. Things are uh, a little crazy now, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I would, I mean, you know, one day maybe I would go back. Uh, I really enjoyed the West Coast. Um, 
like still part of my heart is band um maybe, maybe i'll come back one day but um again there are so many other different countries and cities and cultures which sound really exciting um so yeah i'm not sure what's what's going to be next i'm curious because of service design in general and you had said scad was one of the or was the first that offered that as a major too and we have the discussion all the time that sometimes interior architecture it's really well known in Europe, or at least recognized, but when we start to say it here, Mary Wood was one of the first to offer a bachelor's in this degree, and now I'm getting my master's in interior architecture, whereas it used to mainly be a fine arts degree. And so, like, starting that conversation and getting people to recognize you at that level, there's so much opportunity sometimes in different countries that allow you to be recognized for what you are really trying to explain and actually narrate is part of your process and design process. So I wonder if that's similar for service design or if it's starting to grow um, totally. know, West Coast or South actually. Yeah, so um, while I really enjoyed service design at school, it was quite a challenge for me to uh, find the right place um, to actually um, continue that career, um, especially as an entry level designer. Um, so oftentimes in the US it's not as maybe recognized as in Europe. And since I wanted to stay in the US for for that time, um, I looked in uh, different areas. And some of my friends started as a more strategic role of a designer um, at different um, companies. And that would lead up to uh, possibly a service designer. So obviously it's like, as I mentioned earlier, like service design um, is over, it's like more holistic view of an experience which covers a lot of different areas of um yeah a design yeah. and you work and you kind of manage and you talk to a lot of different stakeholders and um so that is um i would say at least in the us more a senior role um so it was quite hard to find something initially um for that specific role um however I don't regret anything. Uh, I love what I'm doing. And this program gave me the chance to actually participate in a different way in the in that bench room with my team, because I do have that knowledge and that background. Um, but yeah, going to London as like after I came to, uh, well, after I left the US, uh, service design was definitely more a conversation than uh, in the States. Yeah, so people knew about it. There's obviously the Royal College of Art in London, which has a service design um, masters. Um, so people know about it. Um, people have that background here as well, which, um, yeah, not many people had in the US. Well, now we're going to grow the conversation further. Now, hopefully, college students or high yeah. school students in these states understand the possibilities out there because there's majors like this that, and this is so relevant to interior architecture too. And I just wish that we had service design almost at my university so that we could work hand in hand with people like who un understand that same conceptual background. But exactly, yeah. Incredible. So as we're getting closer to the end of the interview, I think I wanna end by just asking you if you have any advice for students, whether it be college students, maybe entering their careers. And like, I already appreciate your process of maybe finding that entry level position and it's not always going to be what you expect, but there is an eventuality to it and there is a fruition that will eventually come um, depending on that state. But if there is anything at all, what would that kind of advice look like? Yeah, um, good question. Um, so just thinking about it, I think it's important to 
yeah, jump on opportunities. Uh, you know, even if it's not your dream job, um, you will work for a long time. And um, I think it's important to find something obviously that you like and you're enjoying. Um, but I also think it is like to get that experience and maybe a different field um, or a different kind of aspect of design and possibly just take another journey to your dream job. You know, like there are a lot of possibilities out there and I, I think we shouldn't be afraid to, um, yeah, explore, explore different journeys and just jump on that train and um, see where it goes. Take chances. That's what yeah. I love. Yeah. It's, it's the most reassuring thing for me at the start of my process, finishing my master's now. And there's a million opportunities, but I'm starting with one. And it's, it's exciting to see where the journey could end, though. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you being here for this conversation so much. We're excited to have, <laughs> like, we keep expanding a student's perspective in terms of the people we come across, the people we meet the majors and you just fit the category so perfectly too. So we're really excited to share this conversation with um, future students. Thank you, Paige. Uh, it was lovely to talk to you today and um, yeah, hopefully you'll talk again. Absolutely. And would you mind actually, before we sign off, telling uh, the viewers where they could possibly reach you or even BCG or whatever you find relevant website or not? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, you can obviously find me on LinkedIn if you want to, uh, get in touch with me uh, if you want to learn more about um, BCG Digital Ventures. Um, just go on the website, it's bcgdv.com, and you can find out more uh, about what I'm doing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for tuning in for another episode of A Student's Perspective. And you can tune in next week as the conversation continues. We hope you like this discussion with the design industry from a student's perspective. Please like, share, and comment, and stay tuned for more inspiring conversations to come.